Hello, I'm Mitch Bennett. I'm an abolitionist vegan from the USA. You can find me at earthlightandcolor.com or earthlingandcolor.wordpress.com and you're listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. Hi, I'm Maria Velado and I'm an abolitionist vegan with the Vegan Society of New South Wales in Australia. We can be found at www.vegansocietynsw.com and you're listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals. I know the human being and fish can coexist peacefully. Vegetarian. Vegan. Yeah, well. Let's get it right. You used the word animals, but I suppose what you should have said is non-human animals. Smoking mirrors, I even look good in the broken mirror. I see my mama smile, that's a blessing. I see the change, I see the message, and no message could have been any clearer. So I'm starting with the man and the mirror on the wall. MJ taught me that. Here we are again, through my rise and fall. Uh. You've been my only friend. Take them to Mars, man. You told me that they can understand the man I am. So why are we? Why are we so blind to fear that the ones we hurt are you and His Little Wayne and Bruno Mars. Welcome to another half-decent episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, Home of the Chicken Friend. Episode 64, The Invisoc 10 and Corporate Propaganda in Our Primary Schools, courtesy of our friends at the Meat Council. Thank you so very much to my friends Mitch Bennett and Maria Velado, who provided intro bumpers for this episode. You can find my friend Mitch at earthlightandcolor.com, spelt the American way, C-O-L-O-R. Thank you so very much for your friendship, Mitch. I'm planning to make a new page on the Invercargill Vegan Society website, invsoc.org.nz. The page will be similar to We Are Weaned, the German site that shows people who have grown past drinking mother's milk still, who are vegan. It has hundreds of photos from all around the world with each vegan's name and location. I'd like to make We Are Invisoc, which I'm told has a Borg-like quality, 
It would be filled with photos of Invercargill Vegan Society members from our location, Invercargill at the bottom of New Zealand, and the world. If you're an honoured and treasured member of the Invercargill Vegan Society, please get in touch. I'd love to include a photo of you with your membership badges. Mitch was kind enough to pose for the first photo, taken of an Imbasoc member in Michigan, in the USA, a long, long way away from Invercargill. You can see that photo of Mitch and my request for more photos on this show's blog, coexistingwithnonhumananimals.co.nz. I'll link to it in this episode's show notes while also plugging the hell out of it on Facebook. If you would like to be an honorary member of Imbasoc, please contact me at info at invsoc.org.nz. We'd love to include you. Another Invercargill Vegan Society member who's given me permission to share her photo is Maria, who you heard in my second intro bump before this episode. Maria is with the Vegan Society of New South Wales, which, misleadingly, is not actually located in Wales. She's not Welsh. It really is false advertising, Maria. New South Wales, Australia, our neighbours over the ditch, are most welcome in this New Zealand-based vegan organisation. You can find the Vegan Society in New South Wales at vegansocietynsw.com. I've recently had some Inbsock bumper stickers designed. I have the first one finished on my desk right now, and it's also banging into the microphone for some reason. With the further 19 to be collected next week, I think they're quite attractive. They're a portrait orientation, they're not long, stretched out things, but almost square, which better suits our logo, making them an all-purpose sticker too. I also need to order some more Inversoc membership badges. I'm actually conflicted between which colour to pick. I have two I rather like, the sample's also on my desk, and uh, oh, it's hitting me in the face and the microphone. Okay, that's good. Okay, stop it now. Good badge. One colour is darker, which I've dubbed formal green. The other is a brighter, lighter, vibrant green. I currently have both colours being used, with the large coin Inversoc members have being the lighter, vibrant green colour, and the small badge being formal green. I'd love if you could visit my blog, coexistingwithnonhumananimals.co.nz, to look at the photos there, and give me your pick between the two colours. The Invercargill Vegan Society has grown in leaps and bounds, from presumably no vegans living here that I'm aware of just five years ago, to being established in the last ten days of 2010, to now having... 10 members actually living here in Invercargill, New Zealand, near bottom of the world. I met our 10th member Catherine a few days ago. I really do love meeting other vegans, both online and in person. The Invsoc 10. I'd like to dedicate this episode to my friend, the black-spotted yellow hen, who was recently killed, I believe, by a neighbourhood cat. I'm very sad to have had our friend taken away from us. I'd like to share a video of the black spotted yellow hen. She was all yellow, with these little black splodges on her tail feathers. They appeared as she matured. Whimsically, I'd like to think it was a tribute to her mother, Miss Hen, who was all black. I've linked to a video, Hens Like to Dig, in this episode's show notes, where the black spotted yellow hen dug several holes for herself to dust bathe in. She moves from one to the other, all the while digging with her beak, flicking dirt out of the holes using her feet. I watch the videos and imagine she's telling herself, dig, 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 dig. That really seems to be her motivation. 
Either that, or she's trying to dig a freedom tunnel through to Spain, on the other side of the world from New Zealand. She was the dominant hen, and always very ambitious. I wouldn't put an interglobal tunnel from Invercargill, New Zealand to Spain past that little hen. I reckon she could have shown the French and English a thing or two about tunnel building. One really special moment for me was when Mr Rooster was getting defensive, darting forward and pecking at my shoe, getting quite stroppy. One of the yellow hens saw what he was doing, got sick of it, and flared her wings out, and slowly walked at him, looking as big as she could. She might as well have been staring down a grizzly bear. I don't know what she would have done if he stayed violent towards me, if she would have went so far as to actually peck him, but she had the courage to stand up to a rooster, who can often be very vicious to hens. They naturally follow the rooster, through him being much stronger than they are. I couldn't see exactly which two kilogram hen stood up for all 80 kilograms of me. Most likely it was the black spotted yellow hen. I think of her bravery when I talk with non-vegans about veganism. What's the worst they are going to do to a polite animal rights advocate? A rooster could seriously have injured her. What do I have to worry about? Oh, you vegans are silly. You're all a bunch of homosexuals. And I bet you have feelings too. Huh, you're not a man unless you harm and kill others. A non-vegan friend recently shared this brave tale of animal killing. Quote, I remember this one time we tried to take this massive possum down to kill them, and it took three shotgunners and a twenty-two rifle to finish it. Wow, presumably three people using shotguns and a fourth twenty-two rifle to kill a cat-sized animal. Do that make them feel tough, like the supreme being on this planet? New Zealanders introduced possums into this country, so we could kill them for their fur. Oh, but see, they were better at making love than we were at war. They became a pest by overpopulating and eating native trees. Good gracious me, what a pest. They also eat the eggs and apparently babies of our native birds. Guess we shouldn't have introduced them to an ecosystem that couldn't cope, eh? They are much loved in their native Australia. Children grow up with soft toy possums. They feature in cartoons, etc. In New Zealand, we poison and shoot them. We still use their fur and see it as eco-fur, that it's good for the environment to kill the pests and to use their, their fur. We use it with wool. We make gloves out of them, their skins. It's, it's awful. To the best of my knowledge, the black-spotted yellow hen stood up for me. I think we should stand up for them, to promote veganism, respect for all other animals. We have nothing to lose. They have everything to gain. I loved you very much, my little hen friend. In other news, the black widow of eating contests has scarfed down 183 chicken wings in 12 minutes to break her own world record set last year in Buffalo, New York. Sonia Thomas took home la first prize Sunday, Monday, New Zealand time at the 10th annual National Buffalo Wings Festival. She beat Eating Marvel Joey, Jaws, Chestnut, who came in second with 174 wings. The two won titles at the July 4th hot dog eating contest on Coney Island. The 45 kilogram Thomas of Alexandria, 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 Virginia, is the reigning wing eating champion. She downed 181 wings to win the 2010 contest. Chestnut, of San Jose, California, settled for second with 169 wings. The winner gets 1500 American dollars, 1800 New Zealand. The runner-up wins 750 American, and third place gets 300 American. Thomas is called the Black Widow because she often beats male competitors in eating contests.
Now, my math is pretty shoddy, but 183 wings cut off murdered chickens. Those wings were from 92 chickens. 92! Imagine 100 chickens. In 12 minutes, this one woman ate both wings from 91 chickens and had one individual wing, but not the second from the 92nd killed chicken. It's an atrocity, however you look at it. It's just awful. How do we disrespect chickens to that extent? Two local stories about water quality in New Zealand. Quote, The report makes for grim reading. Of the rivers and streams in the region, 89% have a quality rating of poor or very poor. Only 1% are rated good. Correction, is rated good. The 1% refers to one site only, the Monawai River, below the gates. No river or stream gets a very good rating. How has this happened? The report says it's not able to fully quantify the impact farming has had on the state of waterways, but some of the issues identified have come to the fore at the same time as land use has intensified in the past 20 years. Gee, what could be the cause of all this pollution that's ruining our clean green New Zealand image of lakes and mountains and Lord of the Rings and green grass and Lord of the Rings and snow and glaciers and Lord of the Rings? This Southland Times article was written by a centre-right national MP, a party who traditionally seeks the votes of conservative folks. Farmers are accu ac accurately, well they're not doing it accurately, they're acutely <laughs> aware of the challenges ahead of them, certainly not being accurate about it. As caretakers of the land, they know that they need to get the balance right between maintaining production and protecting the environment. The real challenge for dairy comes with how it might manage the effects of industry growth alongside keeping the sector green. We are a country of innovators in New Zealand, and I believe that the industry can work through these issues without affecting the value dairying brings to the nation. Calls have been made for a blanket restriction on cow numbers to resolve environmental issues, but I don't believe there's anything to be gained by demonising the dairy farming community. Having said that, Farmers do need to be committing to finding solutions. Committing to finding solutions? Okay. I believe safeguarding the environment and growing the economy can go hand in hand. Organisations like Dairy and Z are stepping up to the plate with research, education and policy. While Fonterra's every farm, every year, effluent management checks are achieving positive results and achieving industry sustainability. Wow. One check a year. Wow, that's amazing. All of this takes time, but I believe there's too much at stake to rush in and enforce wholesale changes or <gasps> regulation, which we may look back on with regret. Oh, right. So, by saying, yo, the people dumping all this cow crap and priceless natural features, ruining the entire water supply, gee, it might be those who keep a couple hundred cows in the paddock with the river, you know, where all the cow crap is in. The river that goes through the paddock, you know, with all those couple hundred cows, you know. Maybe the cow crap's getting into the river there from those cows, you know. Maybe that's where it comes from, you know, maybe, you know, you know. Right, that's demonising the poor, hard-working farmers. No, instead we're meant to say, Oh, I've got no idea where all this cow crap is coming from. How about we take a look at what the dairy farms can do to protect our glorious nation, although we're not blaming them, I mean... They've got a lot of money and maybe they like clean green image and, you know, it's definitely not them putting all the cow crap in the river. It's probably, I don't know, unemployed people or something. They just got nothing better to do than to, to walk hundreds of kilometres into the middle of nowhere and drop cow dung in the bloody rivers. I don't know. And to do just this, 
Derry New Zealand has come up, or Derry NZ, I should say, have come up with an animated character called Rosie, who serves as our Calbassador, explaining to our children how great New Zealand's dairy industry is. I'm sure Rosie loves knowing her brothers were killed for not having an exploitable female reproductive system, and those big plastic earrings she's wearing? She totally chose those herself. Boy, she sure can't wait to be made a mother, to be forcibly impregnated, and to have her babies taken from her. There's even little animated games on the website, where children get to click and drag different farming tools and tractors and, and things around. They can put little cows on the screen, and guess what? They get little fences to drag around too. Gee, I wonder what the fences are used for. Another corrupt industry we have here, Pork Board of New Zealand, fighting imports, claiming the corpses will be diseased and bring disease into New Zealand. Don't buy from our competitors, only buy my product, okay? Such an honest, genuine message. Ah, but few New Zealand industries can compete with New Zealand beef and lamb, or as I prefer to call them, killing sheep and cattle, KSC. And my issue with them goes far beyond their blatant pinching of the same rancid, mushy pea green colour I use on the Coexisting with Non-Human Animals blog, which totally follows the blatant rip-off of Invisoc Green by TechCrunch, the latest Mike Arrington scandal. Who is stereotypically seen as more likely to consider being vegetarian or vegan? Young woman? Well, guess who beef and lamb target in seemingly all their ads? Why? Young New Zealand women, of course. They use very well-known, gold medal-winning female athletes to push the message that women need more iron, and you have to eat New Zealand beef and lamb. I should mention, two of the New Zealand athletes used in the ads are identical clones or twin sisters or something, hence the twice as good, and two people speaking in unison jokes. It reminds me of the two little girls from The Shining, cycling a tricycle down the halls of a near-empty hotel, and then finding two girls in blue and white dresses, holding hands and chanting. Favourite movie? Rider. Role models? Mum and Dad. Favourite meal? Lamb. Beef. Beef? Yeah, beef. Definitely lamb. Favourite athlete? Sarah Ulmer. Who? <laughs> Women need twice as much iron as men, so eat lean beef and lamb three to four times a week. Feel twice as good. We love to boogie. beef salad mm. or maybe rack of lamb mm. or what about spag bowl mm. steak sammy so when are your guests arriving 
with so many quick and easy ways to prepare lean beef and lamb. You can choose exactly what you feel like and feel twice as good. Especially informative are when we see these Olympic athletes on some random farm in the middle of nowhere, helping out with everyday farm tasks such as installing fences, without showing the captive animals at all, whether being caged in or actually processed into the final scene, the plates of corpse served to smiling Olympic athletes at the end. This is where it starts. At 5am, every day. As caretakers of the land, our farmers never stop working to look after it. That's how they can produce the best beef and lamb in the world. Which means they're looking after you and me. How's that? Well, from the beef and lamb they produce, we get the nutrients we need, the taste and quality we love, and pride in knowing it's produced right here in New Zealand. New Zealand beef and lamb is good for you, for me, for everyone. Buy New Zealand beef and lamb. That's why we love it. It's the best in the world. They go so far as to run ads rubbishing vegetarians. I found their YouTube account where we can view beef and lamb ads, with several being beef salad roll versus vegetarian option, etc. The V word not actually being said during the ads themselves. They show a concerned looking woman looking at the huge vegetarian portion of pasta or sandwich that would be needed to match the iron level of that fantastic New Zealand beef and lamb. This salad roll will give you a quarter of your daily iron needs. But because lean beef is not only a rich source of iron, but helps you absorb twice as much iron from salad and bread, Beef salad roll will also give you a quarter of your daily iron needs. Lean beef and lamb, two of your best sources of essential daily iron. You might have noticed the bit where the humble New Zealand woman is portrayed taking a meat cleaver to this huge sandwich, cutting the tiny portion with beef she wants. It's more than a little symbolic. The New Zealand beef and lamb you so diligently buy Is not succulent, tasty or kind It's death for no reason and death for no reason is murder Corporate propaganda isn't very convincing It's not comforting, cherry or kind It's sizzling blood and the unholy stench of consumerism <laughs> You know what's really nice? when they run ads aimed at mothers about how your baby needs iron to develop from, you guessed it, New Zealand beef and lamb. 
What's most interesting about this ad? The baby is shown home alone, bouncing around on the floor to a television show. More great parenting advice from Killing Sheep and Cattle, KSC. They get the PR message of what to eat, smile, and then change the channel to something more informative. I hope the baby smile is their expression of, hey, I don't want to watch corporate propaganda, thanks guys. I'm changing the channel now. Everyone needs iron. It helps carry oxygen to the brain. And as a baby's brain develops to 80% of adult size in the first two years, without enough iron, their intellectual ability can be impaired. So, what's an excellent source of iron for a baby's brain development? Beef! In Japan, the Nikkei index once again took a fall. The Nikkei shitting... Lean beef, your best source of essential daily iron. But their very worst is a roadshow touring primary schools featuring some guy making minimum wage in a terrifying looking suit. Supposedly a blue haired, two metre tall, eight year old named Ian Bryan. Lots of singing, dancing, clapping, giveaways, and corporate propaganda. Guess what? After sitting through, you need to eat our product if you want to be strong, for 45 minutes, you even get a free sample. Hmm. The Meat Council having a classroom presentation, then giving away free samples. Where have we all seen that before? I'm trying to impress people here, Lisa. You don't win friends with salad. 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 Good morning, class. A certain agitator, for privacy's sake, let's call her Lisa S. No, that's too obvious. Uh, let's say L. Simpson. Uh, has raised questions about certain school policies. So, in the interest of creating an open dialogue, sit silently and watch this film. Nothing beats a stroll in cattle country. <clears throat> Hi, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such educational films as 2 minus 3 equals negative fun and Firecrackers, the silent killer. Mr. McClure? Oh, hello, Bobby. Jimmy, I'm curious as to how meat gets from the ranch to my stomach. Whoa, 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 slow down, Jimmy. You just asked a mouthful. It all starts here in the high-density feedlot. Then when the cattle are just right, mm, it's time for them to graduate from Bovine University. 
Come on, Jimmy. Let's take a peek at the killing floor. <gasps> Don't let the name throw you, Jimmy. It's not really a floor. It's more of a steel grating that allows material to sluice through so it can be collected and exported. Getting hungry, Jimmy? Uh, Mr. McClure, I have a crazy friend who says it's wrong to eat meat. Is he crazy? No, just ignorant. You see, your crazy friend never heard of the food chain. Just ask this scientician. Uh, He'll tell you that in nature, one creature invariably eats another to survive. Uh, Don't kid yourself, Jimmy. If a cow ever got the chance, he'd eat you and everyone you care about. Mr. McClure, I was a grade-A moron to ever question eating meat. <laughs> yes, you were, Jimmy. Yes, you were. Um, you're hurting me. They can't seriously expect us to swallow that tripe. Now is a special treat courtesy of our friends at the Meat Council. Please help yourselves to this tripe. My crazy friend here hasn't heard of the food chain. Yeah, Lisa's a grade A moron. <laughs> when I grow up, I'm going to Bovine University. Of course, unlike the classic episode of The Simpsons, Lisa, the vegetarian, where she gets to meet, uh, what's his name again? That the man, um, ah, oh, that ex guy, the ex partner of Linda McCartney. Yeah, that guy. Um, and where we find out that Apu apparently eats no animal products, so he'd be apparently vegan. Um, yeah, it's quite a good episode. I'm just trying to think who that guy's name is. Um, ex-partner of Linda McCartney. Uh, whoever the hell he is. Um, of course, unlike in that episode of The Simpsons, Beef and Lamb doesn't actually describe or show how animals are killed to the children. No, they distance us from that. Instead, it seems to be 45 minutes of, you gotta eat this product that comes to you wrapped in plastic, like all the best things in life these days. What mother wouldn't like her five, six, seven, eight-year-old child being told in school to sit at the home dinner table and demand, quote, put some chops on me plate, great grammar guys, put some mints on me toast, then what sounds like, mum, if you really love me, then you know what I need most. <laughs> Quote, actually, it's quite simple. Listen, here's the plan. Next time you're at the table, shout, Mum, where's my beef and lamb? Hey, I actually managed to find a mother who'd take offence to this great advice. And joining me now is Zamina. And Zamina lives in Auckland, and I believe she's had her first on experience with this Iron Brian Roadshow. Oh, hi, Zamina. Hi, how's it going? Can you explain what you know about this roadshow that goes around telling our children, you know, we have to eat dead animals to be healthy? I actually didn't even know it existed um, until my daughter came home from school emphatically telling me that we need to eat red meat and dairy every single day um, to be healthy. And then when I said to her, well, actually, sweetheart, um, you know, there's a lot of research coming out 
lately that shows that it's actually bad for you because the you know the meat's too fatty and and the dairy's not good for your bones and things like that. And she said, "No, <laughs> Iron Brian says you have to eat it every single day." And I thought, "Christ <laughs> Almighty, what the hell have they been telling these kids?" <laughs> How old is your awful. daughter? She's six and a half, and you know to you know to put it in perspective, she is she's really really thoughtful. She um you know she thinks very deeply about um about issues that that you can talk to her about, and you know she's such a smart child. I wouldn't have expected her to actually be brain brainwashed like that. Had you had you raised your children vegan, or had you ever spoken to them about veganism? Um, I've just got the one. Um, She hasn't been raised vegan since birth um, because of the circumstances that I was in. And, um, you know, her her father's family have been really, really awesome to her and me, and they've given us a lot of help. Um, But they are very conservative, and so they're really strong on the, you know, if the TV says it, then it's true. You have to eat meat all the time, da-da-da. And so she, her, her father lives with his parents, and she's, she goes and stays with them in the weekends. Um, I um, have sort of been vegetarian on and off since I was a teenager, and when I was, you know, up until a couple of years ago, I was getting pretty much no support. I had no resources in trying to do it. And so what would happen was... Um, I would try and be vegetarian, get really unhealthy because I wasn't eating the right balance because I didn't really know what to do, go back and then try again. And so it's taken me a number of years and I finally got the hang of it and then I did that for a while and then eased into being vegan. And so that was when my daughter was little. And so she's six and a half now and I've been vegan for about two years now. Okay. and I've always, I've, I've never forced it on her, um, but I've always explained to her when she has asked me about it as best you can to a child without traumatizing them with all the horrible, gory, gory bits. Um, and at home um, with me, I cook all vegan meals. Um, she eats meat and dairy at her father's place in the weekends because... You know, that's what they do at their house. And I don't like it personally, but that's what they do and I can't tell them what to do. Um, and so I'm I'm trying to look at the positive and think, well, she's growing up seeing both sides of the equation and she's a very smart child and she'll be taking in all the information and when she's old enough, she'll look at both sides and make her own mind up. Well, I yeah. think there's a lot of hope when you look at, like I'm, I live in Invercargill and mm. until a few years ago, I'd never heard of any vegans that lived here or anything to do with animal rights really here. Mm. And I just I can see the the amount of vegans that seem to be moving here and other people deciding to be vegan, and mm. I do think there's a lot of hope for for quite young children as they grow up and yeah. they're exposed to it in ways that perhaps you and I weren't that we didn't grow up around veganism being mainstream. Yeah, and that's that's partly why I see this is so sinister. This whole Iron Brian Roadshow thing sort of mm. get them while they're young, you know, make them into future sort of customers, and mm. they they grow up, and maybe they don't remember. Maybe when they're twenty, they won't remember. Oh yeah, there was this this guy with blue hair and a felt costume that making minimum wage, jumping around on stage and telling yeah. us we have to do this. But it will yeah. be sort of a you know, it's the wrong kind of seed. If if vegans mm. are planting seeds, this is the wrong kind of seed. The one that needs to mm. be weeded out. It's a weed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's sort of. I think when you when you're putting it that way, two things just spring to mind. The first one is well, flipping hell, the the meat bo- the 
the meat industry must be getting a bit worried to be pushing it that much. So hopefully that's actually a good sign for for the vegan and vegetarian movement. Um, and secondly, I don't know if you've ever read Fast Food Nation, but they yes. talk about cradle to the grave yes. advertising in there <laughs> and how, you know, if you grow up, um, like for example, when I was a little girl, one of the toys I was big on was My Little Pony. And my daughter actually has My Little Pony now because it's like this fond childhood memory that I have. Mm. And that's the cradle to the grave thing. They bring you up on it and, you know, they count on creating all these fond childhood memories of it. So, you know, like for the meat, it might be a sausage at a sausage sizzle and a, you know, a ham sandwich at the beach with mum and dad or whatever. And then when they grow up, they don't think about it. They just keep doing it because, oh, you know, when I was a kid, I really enjoyed having a ham sandwich with mum and dad at the beach or getting a sausage from the sausage sizzle. And it's, Oh, it's, I find it really creepy, to be honest. <laughs> like, it's real getting-in-your-head type stuff, isn't it? Well, I noticed from the ads that I've seen from the beef and lamb board, and I don't like calling them that, you know. <laughs> mm. um, you're talking about killing cattle and, and sheep. Mm. Um, exactly. I mean, let's call it what it is. But they never show exactly what they do to make this product. They talk about it's great, mm. it's healthy, it's New Zealand, it's the best in the world. It, it, you need it if you're a woman, you need it for iron. If you're a boy mm. and you want to be an all-black to play rugby, you have to have it for protein. Mm. They never say how it's made. It's just a thing that comes in a package and you're meant to buy it and make sure you mm. buy New Zealand stuff, not the overseas stuff. Mm. Um, so had your daughter known anything about this presentation before she saw it? Um, not that I know of. She's certainly never mentioned it to me before. Um, again, the first I heard of it was when she came home talking about mm. it and, and was talking to me about it in the car on the way home from school that day. Wow. Um, I guess it's possible she could have seen something about it at her father's and talked to them about it, and I haven't heard about it because hmm. um, she is there every weekend, which is good. He has has the involvement with her, which is which is great for her and that. But um, yeah, I mean she's with me all week, and I've never heard anything from her about it. I have seen a, a press release sort of sent around some of the schools. Apparently, Ian mm. Bryan is coming to school, and I guess this will be in the newsletter. The Ian mm. Bryan Barbecue Roadshow <laughs> is a fun, mm. interactive show teaching primary school children about the four basic food groups and the importance of eating a well-balanced diet. You know, brought to you by Beef mm. and Lamb. <laughs> the show takes yeah, about and you 40 listen to that, and you just think, bull S H I T. You know, <laughs> healthy, balanced. Yeah, right. Coming, no, coming from it, a source it, that it, sells it wasn't itself. even in the newsletter. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. It takes about 45 minutes at the end of which all children mm. will be served a healthy, heart-tick-approved beef and salad burger. Mm. And it mentions Iron Brine was developed by Beef and Lamb New Zealand because young mm. New Zealand children have surprisingly high rates of iron deficiency. Iron deficiency can have a detrimental impact on concentration and energy levels, which can uh, hamper children's learning at a critical age. Iron Brine is visiting your school soon. For more information, please contact your child's teacher. Um mm. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking as you were reading the part about Iron Brian was developed because it should read <laughs> Iron Brian was developed because we are going to use scaremongering tactics because our profits are falling because more people are realizing that abusing and violently killing animals is wrong and, and uh, are deciding not to not to buy our products anymore. <laughs> so we need to brainwash little kids. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's awful. But oh god. Well, I've I've seen it's some brutal. of the I've seen some of the videos of it, and they only have a two minute sort of excerpt, and it's sort of edited mm. and produced from the forty five minute long show. And they have mm. music and songs apparently, and lots of sort of singing and dancing, and they give out mm. prizes. And I looked at uh, some of the emails I've been seeing from other parents who've found their children going to it. Uh, 
they mm. they have all kinds of competitions and things and apparently one of the questions that they asked had an answer mm. of meat and dairy that was the answer mm. and they, they got a prize which was a ball that said yeah. I love beef and lamb and uh, the, you mm. know it's, it's just crazy the parent mentions that they changed that to I love cows and lambs yeah <laughs> so um, yeah. it's just it's really weird I mean the video is lots of ha- clapping and they give them caps saying New Zealand mm. beef and lamb on it and afterwards they get a burger yeah. and it's yeah it's um, quite odd yeah my daughter did mention that you know there was a it was a little stage play and and it was the character and they did games and things and she didn't mention the the meat sample at the end or anything but I mean she would have just figured oh food oh well <laughs> why bother telling mum about it because I mean she gets food from the school tax shop anyway so it's sort of okay. you know now and then for a treat so I don't think she would have thought anything of it if she'd been given a free sample of, and especially not if, if if they were giving it to all the kids mm. yeah so um. Another thing, do you know, have you really, you've mentioned that she came home and she was quite adamant. Mm. Yeah. What, what, what did she think about after seeing all this sort of brainwashing, you know, sorry, road show encouraging healthy eating? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, she just seemed really taken in by it, to be honest. And, you know, th- thinking about it, that actually really scares me because, as I said before, she is a really thoughtful child. She thinks deeply um, you know, like, for example, when she was about four, um, that was when, yeah, she was about, would have been about four and a half, that was when um, Safe started doing the adverts on t- on TV about the factory-farmed pigs. And I was talking to one of my friends about factory-farmed versus so-called free-range, um, and my daughter overheard us and said, you know, in her four-year-old accent, Mum, what does fee-mange mean? And I, I explained to her as best I could without being too, you know, because there's some things that they don't need to know until they're a bit older. You don't want to traumatise them, but you want, want them to know what's happening. And I sort of explained the best I could about how the pigs are kept in the cages and they can't move and da-da-da-da-da. Well, I came mum and she wandered off without saying anything. And I thought, oh, well, that was it. She's just going to go and play. But a week later, we're in the car, and from the back seat, all of a sudden, mum! I don't want to eat meat anymore. I only want to eat meat if it's fee mange. <laughs> and she'd been thinking about it and processing this for a week. You know, so this is the sort of person that she is. This is the sort of child that she is. And so it really, really scares me that they were able to present it in a way that even in a child who is really intelligent for her age, like she's reading about three and a half years ahead of her age group, for example, she's really smart. She thinks really deeply and always has for, you know, as long as she was able to talk, she has been thinking that deeply about things. And yet they were able to present this in a way that basically brainwashed her. That scares me as a parent. Hmm. Well, I mean, I I noticed you mentioned the free range and sort of things, and I think I do worry about if we do focus on the treatment, and it can be quite upsetting for Mm. small children, I think. Um, Mm. When I talk... I haven't admittedly spoken with many four-and-a-half-year-olds about veganism yet. Um, mm. There's always time, you know. <laughs> mm. um, I like focusing on sort of friendly things, and I talk about my chicken friends, the chickens I know and love, and they're, I don't want them to be my pets yeah. or anything. They're my little friends. I love them very much. Mm. And they live free in the backyard, and we never take yeah. their eggs or anything, and they're just happy, and we love them as mm. we might love a cat or dog or any, anyone yeah. else. Um, yeah. So as we are starting to move away from talking about the treatment and to talk mm. about veganism and to, to respect and love others for who they are, you know, mm. someone, not something. Um, exactly. 
it, it is scary to think that they can sort of step up the the big animal exploiting industries you could say they can mm. step it up and they can jump on the little kids and the bit that the bit that really interested me was that they that children would come home and tell their parents and they'd sort of mm. um that this is a sort of a role model or a reputable organization maybe it, it comes mm. across that way and i just i do think about it a lot and uh, and how how it just doesn't seem ethical at all. I th- I think no. Um, for for any company though, really, regardless of the ethics, you know, it's mm. not just about killing our friends versus not killing our friends. Um, mm. Do you think it's really acceptable for any company to go around the schools nationwide and promote their product? Is basically, you know, mm. you've got to do this if you want to be healthy. I think even mm. if it, even if it was apples, you know, the New Zealand Apple Board saying, "Hey kids, you have to have apples if you want to be strong." Mm. I think even that would be a bit weird, don't you? Yeah, exactly. And and I don't think that's ethical at all. And that was, you know, there's several things that really upset me about it. And that was one of them. You know, and the fact that they presented it as truth when it's not. It's a point of view, a very, very biased and, you know, personally, I've looked at both sides of it. Um, you know, I've, I've done as much research as I can do. Um, of the studies from both sides of this, and that was part of the reason I went vegan in the first place. To me, the point of view that they have presented is wrong. It's simply not true that eating that eating basically dead bodies every single day is healthy, and animal secretions every day. Um, and so they've come in and presented a very, very biased point of view as truth to impressionable five and six year, and seven year old children. And they have impressionable minds anyway. They're like sponges. They soak up everything even when they when you think they're not listening. My daughter has come to me and mentioned things that I've said when I've thought that she's in the other room not not able to hear what I'm saying before. You know, she, they soak everything up and it really, really disturbed me. And I think, well, they shouldn't be doing that in the first place, but I think if, they're gonna, if they are going to do that, then they should have someone from the other perspective come in and present their point of view as well. So you're getting both sides. Because otherwise you're getting a really one-sided view, and it's, it's not accurate. And, well, and it's, I don't think it's fair to the kids either, because kids aren't stupid. They're just impressionable. You know, kids are really smart, and I don't think that adults give them enough credit for that. Um, and I think it's disrespectful to their intelligence as, as small human beings to actually brainwash them like that either. Well, I'd love to see what it'd be like if an animal rights advocate would go to the school and they'd talk with the parents first, because I do think it would be... I think the parents should know about things like this before it Mm. happens, regardless of perspective, and I think it would be quite interesting if, say, someone went uh, to speak about an animal rights point of view and and the parents would be able to meet with the person beforehand, because Mm. I I realise that, you know, less than 1% of the population apparently is vegan and maybe mm. animal rights activists is going to talk to the kids. That sounds quite scary. Mm. Just as to, to us, you know, uh, the Beef and Lamb Corporation, the mm. board, speaking to children about buying their product, buying into their way of thinking, their brainwashing. Mm. It's yeah. the same thing for both sides, I guess. They could see it both ways. Yeah. Um, I think if the parents had a chance to, to meet the person and to ask questions and to even attend, which I think would be great, mm. yeah. talk and just, I think it would be great to see um, a vegan speaking about, hey, we love other animals, they're our friends, mm. and we've grown up believing it's okay to kill them, but let's move away from that and let's mm. respect others. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think what what children wouldn't be sort of open to that and t- to realise shows like Vegan Freaks mentioned that we all sort of loved animals growing up and we grew up with them in storybooks and fairy tales. And mm. They were all our friends and maybe we grow up from that and uh, mm. some of us haven't. They still talk about their chicken friends. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, they just yeah. talk about, you know, 
uh, chicken friends turn into fried chicken. You know, it's just yeah. very simple. Yeah, um, and it, it's really quite disturbing when you look at it. And there definitely is, um, you know, am, am, among the adults of our of of Western society, basically, there is this massive disconnect. You know, the majority of people, okay, when I go to the supermarket, I can't cope with walking past the meat section because I see butchered carcasses. You know, I see pain and fear and terror and suffering. And it upsets me no end. Um, I, I, I actually avoid, you know, the, the local pack and save on um, down the road from me, you have to actually walk through that section yes. to get to the rest of the supermarket. It's the produce section, then, then the carcasses section. I'm, I'm not going to call it meat because, you know, that, that's just putting a nice name on yes. it to avoid being what it really is. It's carcasses. And that's what you have to, you have to go through there. I go up to Countdown because that section is at the back and you don't have to go near it if you don't want to. And so that's what I see. But then in contrast, most adults just see, oh, it's a slab of yummy red stuff. <laughs> you know, and so there's this huge disconnect. And so it's actually no wonder that most, most people are teaching their kids, oh, it's okay to eat that. Because there's this huge disconnect and they just, there's no connect in their, in their mind between the slab of red stuff is a non-human person's flesh and that non-human person was really horribly abused and was killed violently and experienced nothing but pain and fear and suffering for the duration of their short life. I mean, I, I found being vegan mm. is so liberating to, to just realise the truth about things and to mm. to know things what they are and not to use different terms like meat and flesh, you know, I'd say flesh or dead, dead mm. animals or other animals, you know, mm. to try and make it always realise that human beings are animals and that we're no different and... Mm. Um, yeah, but I live I live close to a dairy processing factory. They they call themselves mm. a Blue River yeah. Dairy, and I think yep. well, New Zealand's rivers aren't exactly blue anymore, and it's because of the so-called mm. dairy industry. You know, they're sort of more brown, mm. aren't they? Yeah, and exactly. I live near the Waituna Lagoon, which is they talk about the pollution from so-called dairy farmers there from all the nutrients. Mm. They mean the cowpoo. <laughs> they call mm. it nutrients. You know, how do they yeah. get away with that? But I walk past a butcher shop on my way home each day, and quite often they have whole animals dead on the backs of utes and things being dropped off to be mm. chopped up, and they leave a trail mm. of blood behind the ute, and you can see it on the road. You can see blood like droplets all mm. down the road, and the dairy mm. the dairy factory I've seen it um, overflowed before, and yeah. they sort of just sort of dump it in the gutters, and you get the thing that looks sort of like margarine that when it oh, congeals. Yuck. And, um, mm. You know, I just think it's important that we can tell our kids about veganism that there's no sort of ethical difference between taking a mother's mm. milk and you know from a cow and keeping her pregnant mm. and things and you don't have to go into the nuts and bolts of how they force mm. her into a pregnancy but um yeah I'm, I'm, i mean yeah i've, I've basically explained what happens mm. to my daughter i've said you know the the cows are made to be pregnant mm. and the babies are stolen from them anywhere between a few hours and a couple of days old mm. so that humans can steal their milk it's it's certainly something yeah. to think about just as a whole economy seems to rely on that though and as we moved yeah. away from killing sheep as it became less profitable for wool and mm. as well as their dead bodies and then we moved yeah. on to dairy farmers they call it dairy conversions in, in my area mm. of Southland and yeah. it, it does have hope though as, as the money changes you know as the mm. economy changes as there's more money to be made in other ways that we can change as a mm. society and yeah. I certainly think that things like this Iron Brian character certainly aren't helping are they? <laughs> no but again I think that it, it really is a sign of desperation from the animal abuse industry, I really do, because, again, if you think about it, how desperate must, must they be 
if they have to try and brainwash little children <laughs> into buying into buying the carcasses, they are realizing that the vegan movement is slowly growing, and I think they're scared. From our point of view, I think that's a real positive. So as disturbed as I have been by this Iron Brian show um, and my daughter's reaction to it, um, I, yeah, I, I think that it is a positive sign for us, really. Well, I've seen another movement, and it's the dairy industry, NZ Dairy, and they've got this mm. cow called Rosie, a computer-animated cow, and I, I mm. haven't seen the ads on TV yet, but they're all over the internet, and I noticed them on the New Zealand Herald site, and calling mm. herself a cow ambassador, and supposedly she's teaching kids how we have the best dairy industry in the world, and it gives you strong bones and everything, mm. and it even has little games for kids to play where they, they own their own little farm, and they get to put fences up, and it's like, yay, you know, what do the fences do? Oh, that's to keep the animals in, because, you know, mm. they don't, they, they're trying to escape if they could, if it wasn't for the fences and yeah. um, I just think it's great and thank you very much for joining me Zamina it was, it was great to Not talk to you and yeah. I'm glad to hear there's so much hope for the future young and um, yeah. children that ask questions and that think about these issues and hopefully mm. as long as we always have the answer of veganism out there that we yeah. can talk to people of yeah. all ages about veganism and that we can respect other animals yeah, and you know what? There are resources to talk to children about it. I, mm. I, I had a book out from the library a while back for her um, called, I think it was called This Is Why We Don't Eat yes. Animals. And, and I've, I've seen it, they, they sell it in the safe shop. I've seen it in there. And, you know, you, you can talk to the kids about it as, as, as well. And, and there's a lot of awesome parents in the vegan community who are bringing and, and have brought their kids up vegan and the kids have been perfectly healthy and are well balanced and everything and yeah I just think it's really really important to keep talking to the kids and and letting them know there is an alternative because it's it's so pushed on us there's these ads on tv and there's this iron brian thing in the schools and it's just yeah it's important to show them the other side too i do too thank you very much for joining me thanks for calling A little hen friend tells me that Barbara DeGrand has also covered Iron Brian on her latest episode of Veganacious, her great website and the matching show. You can find Barbara at www.veganacious.com. Veganacious. There's only one way to fight fire, with more fire. And by that, I of course mean firing all the firefighters, and then praying to Jesus for the raging wildfires to be put out. That's what America's next top president, Rick Perry, has done. If giant corporations are going to invade our primary schools and brainwash our children, then damn it, this 10-member vegan society should up its propagandizing too. Please, friends, becoming an honorary member of the Invercargill Vegan Society and posing for a photo with your membership badges will really help. Better yet, indoctrinate your offspring with Invsoc teachings. Print off some Big Brother-inspired Mother Hen posters and pin an Inversock badge on your sleeping infant. They'll go wild for all the sharp metal edges, you know, while you leave them alone being babysat by the television, telling them, you know, you've got to eat beef and lamb. If you're a member of the Invercargill Vegan Society, I'd love to have a photo of you for our future We Are Inversock page. Please get in touch with me, info at invsoc. .org.nz Thank you for listening to Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, my lovely little bit of corporate propaganda. You can find the script for this episode, as well as downloads for every episode of Coexisting with Non-Human Animals, at coexistingwithnonhumananimals.co.nz If you want to contact me, 
I'd really love to hear from you. Please send me an email. Info at invsoc.org.nz I'm also on Facebook and Twitter. Jordan Wyatt. W-Y-A-T-T. Thank you for listening. Away from the notion of animals as things and toward the moral personhood of animals. The choice is ours. If you're not vegan, go vegan. It's easy. It's better for you. It's certainly better for the planet. And most importantly, it's the morally right thing to do.